Hello and welcome to this Get German Football News podcast brought to you by the World Football Index. In today's episode, we are going to be reviewing match day one of the Bundesliga as well as looking ahead to the second leg of Liverpool versus Hoffenheim. Going through all of the weekend's action with me tonight is GGFN writer Matt Cowder. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Daniel. How are you? Well, over the national news, I suppose I can't complain. Yeah, <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> so anyway, opening the Bundesliga on Friday night was, as always, Bayern Munich. By Leverkusen were the visitors to the Allianz Arena that saw new signings Nicolas Sula and Quentin Tolito give Bayern a 2-0 lead before Robert Lewandowski opened his account for the season with a little help from VAR. Adrian Memedy scored a consolation goal for Leverkusen. Matt, is it perhaps a scoreline that flatters Carl Ancelotti's Bayern? Um, yeah, I would, I would say so, but I don't think that's particularly out of character for Bayern under Ancelotti because I think they, they haven't really been as as fluid or as dominant as they were under Pep Guardiola. I mean, they. I think last season they had a six-point drop uh, between Pep's, first, uh, Pep's last season and uh, Ancelotti's first season. So, yeah, they're not quite as the, the force they were under Guardiola. But I think realistically this game, this game was probably more worrying for, for the Leverkusen fans than it was for Bayern. Um, just because there were so many chances, but nothing, you know, nothing was really happening up top for them. Also, I thought uh, quite a cool little side note was that it's the first time in 10 years that two debutants have scored uh, on their same debut for Bayern, and the last two were Miroslav Klose and Luka Toni in 2007. So that's quite a that's quite a milestone, I suppose. God, Klose seems like he's bearing around forever, but better could yeah. do with him again. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just with that, obviously, if they take Lewandowski out of the team, if he's injured or for whatever reason, you know, he's got 30 goals last season. Is he? Is the lack of options going forward? It's difficult to say because obviously there's so many talented players in that Bayern Munich side. You're loath to say that there's a lack of options, I suppose, because you know when you've got like the the attacking talent of players like Ribery and, and Muller, and obviously now they've got James Rodriguez and Kingsley Coman is probably you know going to come back into the fold. You know it's not the worst uh, forward line in the world. It's just that centre forwards spot. So you know I'd imagine aside from Robert Lewandowski yeah I mean it's, it sounds weird to say it but Bayern probably are lacking a few options in the centre I mean you know if we've seen Thomas Muller play there but he's not you know last season I know he particularly he wasn't you know the, the, his prolific self so I suppose yeah that they 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 were quite profligate in front of goal without Lewandowski there's, there's scope for them to struggle I suppose yeah to be honest, I thought Levin, uh, Leverkusen didn't do too bad. Obviously, defensively, they weren't very good. But going forward, you know, if they had uh, Javier Hernandez, they had 19 shots at goal, but only, obviously, only one goal. If he was in that team, would it be a different story? I think so, yeah. If you, if you see the, the vigour and the energy he's already using, um, yeah, again, in the Premier League, they could really have done with him at the weekend. Uh, or on Friday, even sorry. You know, he's he scored at the weekend for West Ham his first couple of goals. It was that sort of killer instinct they were missing because they, you know, they've got a lot of creative creative juices behind what could have been, you know, a good strike force. They've got people like you know Voland and Bellarabi and and Brandt, and they're all ready to sort of come into the fold. But without that sort of focal point to their attack, um, it's going to be difficult for them. And I mean, sixteen million. To the to a Premier League side is an absolute steal. You know, you're you're probably surprised that they didn't 
push for more in terms of the money they got. And I think with only a couple of weeks left in the transfer window, it's going to be difficult to to replace him and get that sort of apex to an attack that they it looks like they need. You know, obviously moving on to our next game, and a team that could potentially you know, challenge Bayern Munich for the title this season is Borussia Dortmund. They travelled to Wolfsburg where Peter Bosch picked up his first, first three points as head coach. Goals from Christian Pulisic and an early goal, goal of the season contender from Matt Bartra and then Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Talk us through a little bit of this game because you know, I was impressed with Dortmund's 4-3-3. Do you think Bosch can become a success at Dortmund? Well, yeah, uh, like you said, I, I completely agree. I thought the 4-3-3 worked really, really well. I think he's certainly got that Dortmund pedigree. You know, he's, last term he was taking a, a really young, exciting side in Ajax and turn them into Europa League finalists. And it's that sort of, you know, tapping into the young talent that I think he could bring to, to Dortmund. And this time, of course, he's got a much higher calibre of young players. I think that that could change the dynamic a bit at, at Dortmund because obviously under, under Tuchel, it got a bit sort of, Stay and there were very, there was lots of problems behind the scenes. And although you know uh, Peter Bosch was guilty of that at Ajax, I think that's the, that's the reason he was eventually brought away because there was stuff going on behind the scenes there. I think that if it, if it all clicks this season, which it looks like it might do with that that new four three three, then um, I think yeah he, he could he could take them on. And especially as we were saying about Bayern's lack of options up front, an injury to Lewandowski could spell big trouble, and it could it could be the start of a title race. Yeah, and obviously. Assisting uh, Pulisic's opening goal was Mario Goetze. Yep. If he can stay fit, what kind of season can he go on to have for Dortmund? Well, I mean, you know, it was his first game back since January and, and he looked, I think he looked pretty good. You know, he's floating across the park as as he always has done. He didn't, didn't look like he'd been out for that long, did it? But yeah, I thought he played really, really well. Um, I think it looks like if he keeps that position up, he'll be part of a really functional midfield with, you know, you've got um, Nuri Sahin happy to sort of dictate play from deep. And Gonzalo Castro is able to search forward. And yeah, as you say, he got the assists, came off for Mamou Dode. So I imagine that they'll they'll be battling out for a, a role in that midfield going forward. But yeah, generally, you should be really happy about his performance, especially after coming off a long, long spell on the sidelines. Obviously, there's all the talk about Usman Dembele as well. Just quickly, if he does leave to Barcelona, obviously, Dortmund are asking for €150 million, Euros, which Barcelona have a deadline until the end of the week. If he goes, does Bosch reinvest that in the team or does he keep hold of it? You know, when you when you have that much money sitting in your bank account, it's very tempting to go out and, and spend. But at the same time, I thought I thought Pulisic looked really, really good in that right-hand side where you know, Dembele would, would normally have been. Um, I'm not saying he's, you know, the, the natural sort of successor to what the, the whole of Dembele might leave. But I don't think there should be that as much of a rush as everyone thinks to go out and, you know, spend mad, mad money um, on a replacement. I think... You know, if you let, if you sort of keep the money in the in the account, save it for a rainy day. If there's like, you know, if, if in January it really needs to be invested, then you got it then. But right now, it looks like he's got. It looks like Peter Bosch has got the play, uh, the players really playing for him and buying into his system. There's no real need to sort of go out and spend that much, even if Dembele goes. You know, just quickly for the the home side Wolfsburg, they've spent a considerable amount of money this season. Did the same problems exist there? Yeah, I mean, the, the the German press seem to think so. I think, I think uh, one of the papers called the loss uh, flattering for Wolfsburg. And I know that uh, Andreas Jonker, I was surprised by his post-match interview, suggested he wasn't really prepared. He said that Dortmund looked surprised. He, he said that Dortmund surprised them quite a bit, which I, I find a, a bit weird because obviously, you know, obviously it's a new Dortmund setup, but you kind of know what you're going to get from the, those sorts of players. 
and you know you touch on the signings they've made but um Nacho Camacho and uh Rashidi Buzzer never really looked in the game you know Wolfsburg generally went sort of route one looking for Gomez which didn't which completely bypassed their midfield they they just bought. They they sort of appear to lack creativity at the moment, which you know could even it might even stem back to when they've sold um, Kevin De Bruyne to City because they've never really got that that new sort of dynamic creative player. And obviously Camacho and Bazaar aren't those sort of players. And just moving uh, onto the capital now, you know it's not the return to the Bundesliga that Stuttgart were looking for, but uh, making his debut for Hertha Berlin. Matthew Leckie scored a brace just a week after becoming his father. Both were well-taken goals. Can Pal Dardai replicate Hertha's form from last season and, you know, potentially get into the Europa League once again? Yeah, I mean, it, it was certainly a good performance and it, it certainly bodes well for them. You know, more more than just the performance, uh, Hertha, I think, have recruited really smartly. You know, they haven't been making big waves in the transfer market, but as you say, Matthew Leckie, the new, the new signing with the goals at the weekend, but also players like Davy Selke and, in particular, Karen Reckick. Both very talented youngsters. I remember Reckick back at um, when he was at City. And I think, obviously, John Brooks has left, but it looks like Reckick is going to be the man who can step into his shoes. And, fr- and from what I've seen, I think he's more than capable of doing that. So I think that, you know, they've, they've, they've started well with a good win over, you know, albeit a newly, newly promoted side. And they've recruited pretty smartly so far. They've still got two weeks to go. But yeah, I, th- I, see, I see no reason why they can't push on and get through the Europa League again. And for Stuttgart, obviously, six players made their debut on Saturday. It was only a 2-0 defeat, but is it just a case of gelling? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's probably a combination of, obviously, having just been promoted. You know, they're not quite, probably not quite at the standard they should be yet. Probably the fitness levels aren't quite there yet. Um, and also, yeah, as you say, a, a raft of new signings. So, you know, it normally goes uh, one or two ways when teams get promoted. It's, norm- it's either a complete overhaul or... Um, or they sort of preach the squad togetherness, and both, you know, both are quite risky tactics. Obviously, uh, Stuttgart have gone for the um, sort of overhaul, bringing in six players. But yeah, I, th- I think it's it's more than anything, it's going to be sort of readapting to the Bundesliga as opposed to um, you know letting their players gel. Yeah, I mean, it, it remains to be seen what they can do this season. But you know, for their first game back in the, in the top flight, it wasn't too much of a disaster, especially with so many new players. Also coming straight back up to the top flight is obviously Hanover. They had a 1-0 win against Mainz, which could well have been more had it not been for Rene Adler. Former Stuttgart forward Martin Harnick started and finished off the move. You know, a player who Stuttgart probably could have done with on Saturday. But just a quick note on Hanover. Looking at their performance, how do you think they will do this season? It was a pretty good performance from, from again, a newly promoted side. Away win, obviously always a, a difficult ask. Um, I think there was pretty smash and grab. I mean, you know, the, the possession stats were heavily in Mainz's favour. Yeah, they had a lot of chances, a lot of shots. It wasn't their most fluent or fluid game by any means, but when you've got someone as experienced as Martin Harnick up front, it's, it's just a matter of taking their chances. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, I think it was in the stats there, they only had one clear-cut chance of the game, and obviously that was that was what led to the goal. Yeah, I mean, when, they, when they've got someone like Harnick up front who can take chances and who, who is a proven scorer, um, I think that's something that quite a lot of promoted sides often lack, but um, but not Hanover, it appears. And just for Mainz, obviously they finished on the same points as Wolfsburg last season, just finishing above them with a better goal difference. They have a new head coach in charge now, but have you seen anything from that game that you know could get some positives out of it that could see them climb the table? I mean, obviously, you know, well, it wasn't the ideal start. They did dominate, um, I'd say, but um, obviously couldn't get the goal. I think it's a bit too early to 
really start to worry because obviously, you know, like, like we were saying with, with Stuttgart, as well as players taking time to gel, it's probably Sandro Swartz is, is his first top flight job. So, you know, that, that could be a cause for concern. But at the same time, you know, you, you've got to give these people, you know, a chance. So obviously not, not an ideal start, but I think it's a bit too early to sort of press the panic button right now. And moving on to a game that, you know, usually always provides goals. This time it didn't. It was Hoffenheim versus Werder Bremen. Uh, making six changes to the starting eleven with perhaps that Liverpool game in mind. More on that later. Kramerick came on to score the only goal of the game via a wicked deflection that saw Hoffenheim pick up three points. Just looking at Bremen here, how much of a loss will Serge Gnabry be this season? I mean, I, you know, it shows how highly rated he is and just how good he is that he's got his move to Bayern. So just off that, he'll be a huge loss. Only involved briefly against Werder Bremen, presumably being rested for that Liverpool game you just mentioned. I think it might just be the one more season at a club like like Hoffenheim, where he's guaranteed football. We'll see him develop even more. G- judging by what he did um, at Bremen last season, yeah, he's playing so well. I think it'll be a huge, huge loss. Also, I find it sort of quite interesting how Hoffenheim, in particular, have latched onto uh, a troop of sort of Premier League nearly men. So it's players like Serge Gnabry and it's players like. Havard Nortbite and Andre Kramaric, they're tapping into sort of a very particular skill set, you know, not quite cut out for maybe the Premier League, but a very good sort of solid band of players, I think. Maybe a model that other clubs could could look to, to copy, I suppose. Do you think they can challenge Bayern Munich? I think it's probably a bit too early for them to challenge Bayern Munich just yet, just purely because I think that they haven't got quite the quality of a, of a Borussia Dortmund which, you know, who probably would be genuine challengers, but um, they are far off. You know, obviously they've got the Champions League uh, qualifier um, coming up. Um, so they're, you know, they're, they're definitely getting there and they're definitely sort of pushing towards that top that top bracket. But um, no, not yet. Not going to challenge yet. <laughs> and just moving on from that, you know, in what is perhaps the most bizarre news coming from Germany is what happened between Hamburg and Augsburg. One way forward... Nikolai Muller opened the score after eight minutes before injuring himself during his celebration. You know, he was subbed off and it's later being confirmed that he's done his cruciate ligaments in and could face seven months out. So, you know, you couldn't really make it up. And obviously, they're also out of the DFB Pokal. Looking at their performance against Augsburg, will it be a case of the same old story for Hamburg? Yeah, I mean, I mean, firstly, obviously, it's never nice to see a player injured, um, especially not for seven months. But that was just outrageous, wasn't it? And you can't, you can't not laugh at it. But, but yeah, I, I advise looking it up if you haven't seen it. It's, it's worth a watch. On on Hamburg, I think in general they've got a really decent team. I, I was impressed by um, Albion Ekdal and Wallace. I think they're a really good pairing in the middle of the field. You know, obviously you've got Bobby Wood, who's also always a threat. And um, I think one player in particular I think will do well there is Andre Hahn. Quite a coup given his versatility and his particular, particular skill set. With those sort of, you know, with that core of players, they look pretty well set for the season ahead. And then just quickly moving on to the final Saturday game. In my opinion, it was the game of the weekend, which saw Schalke beat RB Leipzig 2-0. Goals from Nabil Bentaleb and Conor Plianka. Now, I was extremely pleased with Tedesco's tactics. I think it's fair to say that he took the game to RB Leipzig, playing them at their own game with a high pressure. I've actually got Schalke down to finish fourth this season, but do you think they can mount that European challenge? Well, yeah, I've got to say, I was, I was, I was as impressed as I was surprised by it. Um... Obviously, you know Tedesco is not the most experienced manager, but and initially, you know, I think I said in the last podcast, I had I had feared for Schalke. You know, the new inexperienced manager, they'd lost a few key players over the last couple of seasons without any sort of replacements. No real additions apart from the permanent deals for Bentaleb and Konoplyanka, and also you know young 
I mean Harriet on the left, but they they looked really solid. And and Tedesco's high pressure sort of counter pressing game did for Leipzig in the end. With their midfield containing Bentaleb and and Leon Goretzka, that's obviously always going to be pretty good. Both very energetic players, very sort of smart players, capable of carrying out that sort of operation that Tedesco had them working at. But I was also impressed by um, uh, Amin Harrit. He looks like really one to keep an eye on. I think we could well be seeing them back in Europe one way or another uh, come the end of the season, just purely from what we've seen in that game against Leipzig. As we all know, you can't just go off one game of the season, but do you think this is a case of second season syndrome for RB Leipzig, or is it just a one-off? Yeah, again, a bit too early to say, but um, you know, it's often the case that it takes a season for teams to get found out. I think as well, you know, all summer long there's been this sideshow regarding what players will leave and what players will stay. So obviously, the main one would have been Naby Keita, who's you know he's been in and out of training and all that sort of stuff. So it's that can't have helped at all. Obviously, it's best to to wait for a few more games and see whether or not it's a one-off, but. It's a dangerous sign that such an inexperienced coach can come straight in and, and really sort of hassle and harry Leipzig in the way that they did, they did to other teams last season. I think it's something to keep an eye on, definitely. And just quickly, do you think Kate will stay at Leipzig or will that move to Liverpool happen? It's difficult, you know, because there's only two weeks of the transfer window left and normally the big deals sort of get done quite a lot earlier than now. But there's a lot of money out there. There's a lot of movement, movement still to come, I think. And I think... Liverpool have only really made a couple of first team additions, but someone like Naby Keita, someone as energetic and someone as who can drive the midfield forward, they they could still be looking for that sort of thing. It's just I think it's going to be the price tag, but you know depending on whether they sell Coutinho or not, they could, they could have some money to play with. So I think the Keita will stay just purely because I think that I think the Coutinho will also stay, so they won't have the money to spend on him. But um, you know I I, can, I think we can expect quite an outlay from Liverpool if they do sell him and Keita. They've been out from all summer, so I imagine he would go. And just moving on to the Sunday games now, no winner could be found between Freiburg and Eintracht Frankfurt. Tim Kleindice had scored a goal in the first half of Freiburg, but VAR rightly ruled that goal out. Kevin Brinsporting made his debut for Eintracht in the second half, but neither good side neither side could find a winner. The other game on Sunday, however, was a different story. Often overlooked by the international media, it was the Ryan Derby between Borussia Mönchengladbach and Cologne, which you know always provides us with fireworks. Gladbach dominated the game, whilst it could well have been more than a 1-0 win for the Ehrhaken side, had it not been for Timo Horn. Nicolas Alvedi scored the only goal of the game following impressive work from Ibrahima Traore. I think the main talking point from this game is, you know, obviously Cologne sold Anthony Modeste, is Cordoba the right man to replace his 25 goals? I mean, obviously, you know, Modesto last season was was really superb. But I think that the main thing to keep in mind is that Cordoba is a slightly different player than, than Modesto from what I've seen. I think he's he's not necessarily the kind of player that you could really sort of structure an attack around and build your team around in the way Modesto was. I don't think he's quite got the, the, the physicality of that Modesto did. I don't think he's quite as versatile in terms of, you know, Modeste scored all types of goals. I'm not sure Cordoba could really replicate that in the long run. Yeah, not to say he's a good player. He's Not not, not to say he's not a good player, sorry. But um, yeah, I think because he's not the kind of player that you can really sort of mould your team around, they might struggle without someone a bit more sort of formidable up front. And obviously we mentioned there's only a couple of weeks left of this transfer window. They've got, they made quite a few defensive additions to the side, but do you think Cologne need more creativity going forward? It's a difficult one. I think that the main thing about last season was the fact they had Modeste, who was the guy who could put in any sort of, you know, you could, you could deliver any ball to him and you could make something out of nothing. 
So I think it's not necessarily a matter of the creativity they're lacking. It's more of the fact that they haven't got that really, really top sort of proven goal scorer. You know, again, there's there's a couple of weeks left, so it, it remains to be seen what can happen. But um, you know, I've, I've not, I don't know about you because obviously you're, you know, you you follow Cologne quite quite closely, but I'm not sure if they've been you know linked with anyone in any sort of major way. It remains to be seen, I suppose. I mean, the only player they've really been linked with is um, Hoffenheim's Marcus, but to be honest, yeah. I, can't, I can't really see them making any more signings this summer. If they yeah. do, then I really would be surprised, but I just can't see it. For Bushy Munch and Gladbach, however, Matthias Ginter and Zachary both started for them, who I was extremely impressed with. Obviously, they both both arrived in the summer, and then obviously going forward, you have Raphael, who is back from injury. I guess it's a bit like Goethe. If Raphael stays fit, just how important is he to Gladbach? Yeah, hugely important. I mean, you know, he was a really, really vibrant player. And I think he fits in really well with that sort of trifecta with, you know, you've got Lars Stindl and Torgan Hazard as well there. And um, and when they're all fit and firing, generally, if you can find one of them in or around the box, you can be sure of some sort of creativity or, you know, a goal-scoring chance. And as you say, the fact they have got that sort of solid base of, uh, of Ginter and Zachariah behind them shows that they've got, you know, something to build upon. There's there's a really strong core in that team. You know, as as you say, if, if Raphael stays fit, if the front three, you know, really stay fit, it could be a really productive season, especially with, you know, as you say, the, the, the defensive sort of stability they've got behind them. And just going back to Cologne, obviously they're in the Europa League group stages. Do you think them taking part in Europe could have an effect on their domestic campaign? It will, but that's more or less to be expected because obviously at the very sort of bare bones of it, it's more games. They, they've not got the most substantial squad, so they're not, they're not going to get much of a chance to rotate. And also, it's for a team like Cologne, it's a nice competition to be in. You know, it's it's um it's a rare shot at European football. And I think that's going to be quite important for them. So I think even if they had the choice to rotate, they probably wouldn't want to. Yeah, you, you do tend to see sometimes teams will prioritise their European exploits over their league you know, campaigns. Yeah, I'm not sure. That, I'm not sure they've got the squad to sort of keep it up this season. And just moving on to the next segment of this GDFN podcast now, we see Hoffenheim travel to Liverpool on Wednesday night in the Champions League qualifying match. Obviously, Jurgen Klopp's side hold a two-one lead, but Matt, tell us, can Julian Nagelsmann's Hoffenheim turn it around? I think it's going to be incredibly tricky, especially as Klopp appears to have Liverpool's attack such a well-oiled machine. Also, I suppose you know, in a more sort of intangible since it's it's Liverpool's first Champions League night for a while. And it's their first Champions League night with him, you know, having got his own team together. So I'd imagine they'll be they'll be really up for it. Um, and it could be one of those, you know, cliched special Anfield nights. But I think that the Liverpool for defence is obviously very leaky. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Hoffenheim snatching away goal of their own. I think it'll be a really interesting fixture. I think it'll be a really good game. Just purely because Liverpool have got those two away goals, I think it might just be uh, a bridge too far for, for Nagelsmann's Hoffenheim. One thing that actually surprised me was um, was actually just how many Liverpool fans you know underestimated Hoff, uh, underestimated Hoffenheim. You know, obviously Marco scored that goal, which does you know obviously they can try and get back into the game. But who is the key man in defence and attack for Hoffenheim? The really key person in attack, you'd probably go for. Andre Kramaric, who's their top scorer, mm-hmm. just purely because he's got that physicality and he's got that sort of momentum behind him, I suppose, in the in the goals he's scoring. In terms of the defence, I mean, you probably have to go for maybe someone like Havard Nordweit. Um, Interesting. 
just just purely because I, I know he's not. You know, he, I, I think he was. Uh, he didn't start the game at the weekend, as I recall. Yeah, but I think that he would he would get into their you know first first choice back three. And you know, a, a very sort of simplistic sense, he's got Premier League experience, which is something that you know not a lot of the Hoffenheim players will have. Um, you know, he'll know how to defend against a team like Liverpool's. You know, in in that in that back three, he could be the the man to really try and sort of stop the fluid, fast front three at Liverpool. But yeah, as, as I say, it's it's difficult to know just because it's going to be a really sort of open attacking game. So I'm not sure defence will come with that much. <laughs> It's a tough call, but for, for my key player's defender, I had uh, Kevin Vox. I think he had a brilliant season last last year. Obviously, he moved from Cologne to Hoffenheim. At Cologne, he actually played uh, in midfield, but Nagelsmann, he moved him back into central defence. You know, I think he's excelled there. He reads the game well. He's quick. He's strong. He did have a good game against Liverpool, and in, in the central defence, you know, he's, he's likely going to play in the middle of that back three. And he's going to keep the likes of Firmino at bay, or at least I hope so. But obviously, you, you touched on the defence. How do you see Hoffenheim lining up going forward? Um, I mean, they, they, they made a lot of changes the weekend against Bremen. Uh, as I say, Norby didn't play. I think that they'll probably line up similar to the way they did against um, Liverpool in the first leg. Um, I think we'll see all the players that they did rest come back. So that was, you know, players like Serge Gnabry. And Andre Kramaric, they're all rested in the uh, in the game against Bremen, and I think they'll all come back into the fold. And I think that that'll give them that'll stand them in pretty good stead because I think what we saw in the first leg was arguably their strongest eleven. It, you know, it wasn't far from it at least. Players that I wouldn't be surprised to see start at all. I think uh, Adam Shalai had a good game uh, against Bremen. You know, he got the assist, and you know he linked that well with Kramaric when he came on. Fairly reliable and experienced player. But yeah, I think if you if you're looking at how they'll line up. Probably won't be far from how they did in the first leg. And just quickly before I move on to our Twitter questions, your score prediction for that game? I think it'll be a high, you know, it'll be a fluid attacking game. But I think it, I think it might just be two one Liverpool again. So yeah, no four two on aggregate. I went the opposite, two one Hoffenheim and to win on penalties. But maybe that's <laughs> just my Bundesliga bias coming out there. <laughs> but just quickly before we go, we have two questions from Trust Leonard on Twitter. Do Werder Bremen have enough quality in their attacking ranks, excluding Max Kruse, to help them avoid relegation this season? Again, tricky one. I mean, it was obvious that last season Serge Gnabry was the man who was taking them forward. Now they've obviously lost him. I think he'll be a huge loss. Um, and I think as it stands, they're definitely going to be in the relegation dogfight. Because, um, you know, from my personal opinion, I think that uh, Max Kruse is the only sort of top, top talent they've got going forward. So I, th- I do think that the you know up front they're lacking a little bit, and I think that'll probably be where their their eventual downfall is. You know they they they've got players in terms of their creativity and in terms of the engine behind the team. Like I know you know I've I've always been a fan of uh, Yunusovic, but I think it'll just be a bit of an ask for them to to carry on at the same rate without uh, Gnabry. And just secondly from him as well, can Zagadou nail down a regular starting pre- uh, starting place in the Borussia Dortmund side? Even after the comeback of Schmelzer, potential arrival of Jeremy Tolian. I was so impressed with with Zagadou for Dortmund. I mean, he, I'll I'll be perfectly honest. He's not a player I really heard of before he signed for Dortmund because obviously his his only real appearances in in terms of you know his his professional career were for um, was it PSG like second squad. Yeah. Um, obviously not a, not a particularly well heard of um, player. But I for how old he is? I think he's eighteen. Yeah, he's only eighteen. Yeah. So composed as well, and I think he can play centre half as well. So you know he's very versatile. 
I think obviously because Martel Smeltzer is such a huge, huge player for Dortmund, um, you know, club captain, I think that it'll be again a huge ask for Zagadou to keep to keep him out of the side. But definitely one for the future, definitely one for potentially even a first team spot in the next sort of year or so. But yeah, you know, you, you probably just go for the reliability of, of, of Schmelzer when he comes back. I mean, one thing that surprised me about him was the amount of stick he got in the Super, Super Cup against Bayern Munich. But obviously, you're making your Dortmund debut against you know, the biggest team in Germany. Yeah. To be honest, I don't think he did too bad. But like we said, he's only 18. He's got a lot of playing time ahead of him. And hopefully he can kick on, you know, under Peter Bosch, he's he's a manager to get the best out of him. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was I thought it was a bit bizarre as well the the, the sort of sticky came in for because that's usually quite an English thing to do is to <laughs> is to really sort of kick your your young players down even though they've not done a lot wrong. It doesn't really help anyone, does it? Uh, when you've got a young eighteen year old playing his first game against, as you say, the best team in Germany, for them to then you know go after him in that way, he's still learning. He's still got so much to learn, and I think you know the way he was going about it, and I think. Especially, you know, the way he played at the weekend. I think there's a lot to be positive about. Indeed. So anyway, that brings us to the end of this GGFN podcast. Matt, thank you for joining me. Tell me where we can find you on the internet. Well, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at, at Matt Carlock, um, And then I'll be on the GGFN website uh, writing up whatever needs writing up. Um, and also I urge you all to check out the uh, upcoming handbook we've got being released uh, that will preview all the um, uh, Bundesliga teams. Uh, Dan's had a big part in that as well. Yeah, indeed. That's that's a good plug because just make sure you're following Get German Football News on Twitter at ggfn underscore and you can find the download link on there. But also don't forget to follow at World Football Eye on Twitter for all the latest podcasts around the world. I've been your host, Daniel Pinder. Thanks for listening and we hope you join us next time on the World Football Index.